I've got a visual over here that we'll get to. Um, hopefully, hopefully it'll be something that uh, that if whatever I'm saying is uh, not making sense or whatever, that seeing what happens may trigger in your mind. Okay, if you can, open your Bibles to uh, Genesis 1. Just real quick, I uh, grew up in a Christian home, and I didn't, growing up in it, I didn't do anything radical, whatever you want to call it. Didn't smoke, drink, cuss, dip, chew. I enjoyed life, and I didn't um, get into to all of the things that a lot of kids tend to get into, but I found that the Lord kept me in that for a reason. In growing up at the church that we were attending, because I grew up in, in the church, we got a new pastor, almost the same identical set up is right now about this time probably he started introducing us to the lord jesus christ and what's um, i guess sorry about that is that's how a lot of churches are someone comes and starts to introduce you to jesus christ and that's what he did to our family growing up you come to the lord jesus christ you you walk the aisle you pray the prayer you sign on the line you whatever you are re- required to do at that time, that's what you do. And then you sit back and you wait. You wait until the Lord Jesus Christ will apparently come and take you home. But in between that time of what you said, you know, I surrender to when he comes, that was just, you know, okay, whatever. And I'll submit to you that that's not the gospel. That is just a change of destination instead of a change of destiny. And so often that's what we hear today in churches across the whole world. That's what they teach. To receive a change of destiny, we'll find out that it's Christ living in in and through the believer. And it's so much more than just a change of destination. Way beyond, infinitely, way more. The question that is asked right now that I'm, I'm covering this week is, who are we in relationship to God? In Genesis, um, let's look at verse 26. After all of this, uh, God said, you know, everything he, he created, he saw that it was good. And we get down to 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let us, God said, make man in our image and our likeness. Man is... Only man by what God is in the man. By what God is in the man. That's the only thing. For man was created by God and for God. You weren't created for yourself. He is the cause of his own effect. He is the origin of his own image. And he is the dynamics of his own demands. But man was created by God for God. In Zechariah 12.1, Thus declares the Lord who stretched out the heavens and the foundations of the earth and forms, and forms the spirit of man within him. All of this is out of 26 of Genesis. God forms man. Let's look at Genesis 2.16. The Lord God commanded man, saying, From any tree of this garden you may eat freely. Remember those words, any tree of this garden you can eat freely. In 17, But from the tree of knowledge... Of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat, from it you will surely die. Remember that. Then the Lord said in verse 18, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper and suitable for him. We're going to jump to 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep. Basically in in 22, he formed a woman 
out of man. 23, man, he, he presented it to man, and man said, This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. In all of this, Adam is dependent upon God the whole time. He has a dependency on everything that he is because God is everything in, in, in Adam's world. Now, if we could leave it right there, that would be real sweet, but that's not what took place. Let's look in chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made, and he, he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat of any of the trees in the garden? What did God say? He said from any tree of the garden you can eat, with the one exception. But here's Satan saying, Hey, you can't eat of any of these trees. And the woman said uh, to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden you may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it. Now, I don't know where she got that. We weren't there. There's no record of it stating any more than what was there. Sounds good. Don't touch it even. Stay away from it. Lest you surely die. What did the serpent say? You're not going to die. It's not going to happen. For what God said, serpent said, Oh, no. For God knows in verse 5, that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. Now, that was a true statement. Your eyes are going to be open, but not like you think. Makes me think of back in uh, Luke when their eyes were open. Jesus Christ ran around with the disciples all that time and listened to everything he said. But by the time he was dead and resurrected and he's about to leave them, that's when he opened their eyes that they understood the scriptures and everything clicked. So back on Genesis, the fall of man. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food... And it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from it the fruit and ate, and she gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. All of this, God gave man a choice, and man took it. And he chose to step out of that dependence upon God into the independence of who he was. Stepping away from all that God is. In verse 9, then the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, for I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman, there he is. The man said, the woman you gave me. So we start, start pointing. She's the problem. So God said, he looked at the woman and said, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent. Just keep pointing down the line. So the Lord said in 14 to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than the cattle and all the every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and the dust you will eat all the days of your life. In 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There it is. We already had the fall of man. Man has, has taken and, and did what God said not to do which separated man and God. It caused that, that division. And if we look back what I was saying earlier, man is only man by what God is in the man. But right there is our first glimpse and look at here's, here's the saving life, the, the lifeline, the however you want to put it, this is God saying Jesus Christ will, will be uh, crucified. It's our first glimpse of Christ and the, the steps that God has taken. He took it very I mean, immediately. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain, and your pain you will bring forth children. Let your desire be of, of your husband, and he will rule over you. He only had one verse for the woman. He's got three for man. Then Adam says, because you have, uh, then 
Then he said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all of the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground because you were from where you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return in 24 so God drove out man from the garden so who are we in relationship to God is the question because when Adam sinned it set the wheels in motion plenty of them in here um, I want to look at Moses let's go to, to Exodus just to get you give you a glimpse there's plenty to choose from but I've picked one it's what man is gonna have to do from here on you know type thing because of the because of sin in in uh, in man I want to pick it up in chapter 2 verse 11 now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren to look on their hard labors and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So Moses, this is the verse I want. So Moses looked to the left and looked to the right. And he struck down the Egyptian. And then he hit him in the sand. This is not uh, the way God wanted it handled. This is the way man was going to handle it. Moses took it and basically said, I'm going to be man-sized for God. I'm going to take care of the situation. God, you're lucky to have me on your side. I can do this. What happened to Moses? Verse 15 on down. Moses escapes to Midian. He finds himself on the backside of the desert for 40 years. Couldn't handle it. Instead of allowing God to be God-sized in the man, Moses was going to be man-sized for God. Now, we do know with Moses, while he was in the desert, he learned. When he went, he saw the burning bush before God. He learned to allow God to be God-sized in him, which is what we struggle with these days. So man is in need of a redeemer. 1 Corinthians 15 Verse 21, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, that set the tone, in Adam all die, or better yet, in Adam are all dead. So also in Christ, all will be made alive. We have a redeemer. He was mentioned back in Genesis chapter 3 of what's going to take place. So we have a redeemer. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In our Redeemer, what, what is everlasting life? We're told that in John 17, verse 3. This is uh, eternal life. That we may know you, the only true God, in Jesus whom you have sent. That we would know you. In Hosea 6, 6, he quotes, uh, or he says that God says, I want you to know me and I want you to love me. I want you to know me, and I want you to love me. And right here, three, eternal life is that you would know me. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. I'm going to read 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, to the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too were formerly, we lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, we were by nature children of wrath. Number four, verse four. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, our Redeemer. By grace you have been saved and raised, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show surprising riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not as a result of works. You won't work yourself there, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. For God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. That God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. All of that is wrapped up in Colossians 1.27. To whom God willed to make known is the riches of the glory of the, is this mystery. It's a mystery to those who do not know him. It's a mystery. The riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. So that in sense, from Genesis, when God was taken out of man, separated from man, man's wandering. And this is Christ in you. This is his, our Redeemer that allows God to be back into the man. It puts God back into the man. That re- creates that relationship back when God created man. So man is only man by what God is in man. This also allows man to step back from the independence back into the dependence of God. From which Adam stepped out of the dependence into the independence. To show you the way Christ has it set up in John 17, in 22, The glory which I have given you, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that we may be perfected in unity. Down in 26, and I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. It is Christ in God. We are in Christ. We're back to that which is normal. Man was abnormal from the separation of God. That's where we sat until Christ came. Real quick, another one that um, two more. In 1420, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and my Father is in me, and you are in me. It's kind of like a a sponge. If you put a sponge in the water, the water's in the sponge, and the sponge is in the water. You can't separate it, and that's Christ's life in and through the believer. In 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He will come and make his abode with us. Now, I want to look in, in Luke. If you turn with me to there, for sure, we'll spend a little bit of time in it. Luke 1. This is just an example here of God being in man, living and dwelling and taking care of things, basically. It's in 26. We're going to start reading. 1:26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, for the Lord is with you. But she was perplexed by this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation that was. An angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son 
in her old age. Now, looking back at, at, at the top there, what's, what's Mary's uh, credentials? What, uh, what, does she, what does she have that the Lord would want to come through that line? You know, what seminary did she graduate from? What Bible study does she lead? First Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro to find those whose hearts are wholly his. So in the whole process, God sees Mary. And just for encouragement's sake, you have a relative, Elizabeth, who's also going to conceive. Mary, you're too young. Elizabeth, you're going to be, she's too old. But nothing is impossible without God, for he has brought us back into relationship with himself through Jesus Christ. And Mary said, Behold your bondservant. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed her from her. What was Mary's response? I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. But you said it. God, you said it. You're going to do it. You're going to have to do it. And if God says, if you agree that, you know, I can't do it, but you can. If you can't and he can, what's the best thing to do? Let him. God said it. Let him do it. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Lord says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why is his yoke easy and why is his burden light? He tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Faithful he is he who calls you, who will also do it. He as God has set himself up as God to be big enough for the job. The very thing that he calls you to do, he will see it through. He will see it done. You can look in Psalms 37, 5 also. Commit your way to him and he will do it. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. The very dynamic of his demands is in him. Now, Abraham also learned this. In Romans, Romans 4.21, it mentions it. Faithful is he who calls you, he will also do it. Now, I've got a little demonstration. Um, It's not the finest, but I thought, hey, let's put it together and see if this works. I set it all up last night, so I don't know how it's going to play. I didn't even look at it this morning. Back years ago, I went to, uh, I was going to Jerry and Beth to eat one evening, Betsy and the boys were across the pond. I was by myself, and as I was on, my, on the highway right there just north of Abbeville coming up, I said, uh, I, this all kind of came in my mind of how things were to, to flow. She's working. Um, I was going to use a picture to do it, but as we kept getting things together, and this is what we wound up with, things that people do in life is they'll come up, come up possibly throughout their whole life, come to the Lord Jesus Christ in a in a Sunday, every Sunday, that's all I do. I come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I come to church. I, I punch my card, and that's it. And they get a little knowledge. The next thing they know, they're running around to give a little knowledge to somebody else until they find themselves empty. So then they come back, and, hey, I've got a little more. I'm going to go to South Africa. I'm going to go to Alaska. I'm going to go. And they don't understand how the Lord works. And the next thing you know, they're empty again. And people will come, and they'll rededicate their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and they'll come again and they'll after it didn't work and they'll re-rededicate their life and then they find out that that doesn't work apparently God's not strong enough to hold them in or they are dedicating their life they think they have something that's worth dedicating so they re-re-re-dedicate their life and when they find out the source of life is when everything changes. They find out that the Lord Jesus Christ wants to live in their life, through their life, on a moment-by-moment, daily basis. They want to impact the world 
but that's not much of an impact because if you let that cup sit there long enough, it's going to dry out. But when they learn this, just for sake of not having enough room to really do it, if the Lord wants that cup in Africa, he'll move him to Africa. That doesn't change. The Lord continues to flow. If he wants you in Alaska, now we're in Alaska, that flow doesn't stop. You don't have to go to church to get batteries recharged. That's got to be your life. So many times we, we try to take a little bit and make a difference. I'll tell you, when I was at a uh, school, I was working at a Bible school, and one night I wanted to impact these new students, brand new, brand new year. And we had to do our devotionals for them. And I impacted those students' lives, not in the way I wanted, because as I was standing at the podium, we had a good big wooden one there. Instead of allowing God to do what he wanted done, I was going to teach them something and impact them. That's when my head started going down. And when my head hit the podium and I started going that way, I caught myself. My shirt went from dry to where you could just wring it out immediately. Scared the wits out of me. And I'm standing there and I saw every face in there was impacted. This is exactly what man can do apart from God. I wish I would have thought of it at that time and said that, but I quickly wrapped up what I had to say, and I was out the door. Now, I had to spend a year with those students. That was right at the beginning, second, third day. So until you learn that if you are a cup, you don't try to get a little bit and run around and fill other lives up. What What are you, whatever the Lord wants you to be, he wants to flow in and through you. It's all from him. Now, I hope that gives us a, a little better picture than me rambling because I have spent a lot of time, and I went on all kind of, if you look at my Bible, I've got notes all in it, and I've been on so many rabbit trails that I have rewritten everything four or five times, and I knew this morning I was in a mess. I hope that that's what you see, and that is a daily thing. It's not a, I'm going to go get my batteries recharged at church. If you go into church to get recharged, you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. The only reason we ask anyone to come to the Lord Jesus Christ is for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other reason. Ethan and I had to figure this out the other day. We had quite the fun time. But just to wrap up, y'all, in my, my little bit of rambling, it is God who has sent us Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ who has restored that relationship to God. Let him flow. Don't try to do it on your own because you'll never do anything well. You will run out. You will get burned out. That's a term that I had a missionary in Mexico. He was an older man. He said he came back home just for a week, maybe two, but he said he was meeting with a bunch of other missionaries and he heard some of them talking about getting burned out. So he got to talking to me. What, what are you talking about? You got burned out. He said, they, they told him, well, you know, you, 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 you do, you do, you do. And you just, he said, what do you mean you get burned out? Being indwelt by the Lord Jesus Christ and you get burned out? You don't know the scriptures. For it is God who is at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Faithful is he who calls you. The very thing he calls you for, he as God has set himself up as God to be big enough for the job. So let him flow in your life. All right? Thank you.